Kanashibari, Fayam, Karabasan, the Night Hag. They all may visit you while you sleep and pin you down while you're awake. Tonight we share listener experiences with the old hag and dive deep into the folklore behind sleep paralysis. and welcome to another wonderful episode of the Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities presents the Hometown Haunts podcast. I am your host, Cat Loco, dying of allergies, and with me tonight are Christina Wald and Jen Kohler, who seem to be untouched, which is good. I'm glad uh, two-thirds of our group aren't sounding like a smoker right now. Uh, if you would like, you can follow us on social media at Sin Cabinet Curio on Twitter, at Cincy Cabinet of Curiosities on Instagram. We're dying to hear from you and your personal encounters with the paranormal and fringe history from your neck of the woods. Send it to hometownhauntedmail at gmail.com or join and share it on Facebook in our Facebook group, Hometown Haunts. We're also an official podcast that can be heard wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to see us while we're doing the show, not tonight, that would not be a great episode. Can you, you can watch the video feed on YouTube. Find us by searching Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities and please rate and review us there so other spooky history lovers just like yourself can find us. Links, of course, are in the show notes. The Six Bomb Boards does live art at all the local breweries and distilleries, and they do a lot of different events. And it's really cool. A lot of it's a collective of artists that basically draw uh, labels that the uh, different uh, breweries have. It was started in Lexington, and they do a lot of events at movie theaters as well. So they'll like do pictures of Spider Man at the new Spider Man opening or Batman or whatever. And mm-hmm. I think it's a really cool idea. A lot of times they sell the artwork off their easels. And I think this is a collection of artwork that they've done the past year in Cincinnati. It's Anthony Tank Mansfield. Yes. And he does a lot of art stuff around town. He also has a podcast called What You Into, too. So we've got the video insert that we can show. Yep. And that's going to be at Mad Tree Brewery Mm -hmm. on Madison Road in the Oakley neighborhood. Hey, I'm Anthony Tanks Mansfield with Six Bomb Board, and come out this Saturday, uh, April 30th, to Mad Tree Brewing. We're doing our inaugural um, death row show. So what we're doing is uh, we made artwork all throughout 2021 uh, at live art events monthly throughout Cincinnati uh, at different bars, restaurants, breweries, uh, where we drew the name of beers that were on the draft list, or we drew things from movies, depending on what the event was. Anyways... I have all this leftover artwork. It's been living in my basement. I got to get rid of it. So on Saturday the 30th, one or two things is going to happen. Your people come out and buy the artwork starting at 4 o'clock. And from 4 to 8 you can pick up the artwork and buy it directly off the wall from us. And we'll also be doing live art that day. Or 8.30 hits, and that then turns it over to the death row auction. That's where uh, each one of the pieces will be discounted a little bit. But if it doesn't get sold then, then it goes to death row, at which point we destroy the art. So we're going to light things on fire, we're going to break things with nunchucks, uh, we're going to drown things, unless you all buy them. Uh, pieces start out, uh, they're probably going to go between $50 and $100, somewhere in that range, so you kind of know how much money you want to bring that day. And uh, yeah, help us uh, save original art, or else it's going to get destroyed. Appreciate it. Alright, back to the show.
Many of our listeners have sent in emails to our hometown haunts account with similar experiences of sleep paralysis, and we are sharing a few of them tonight with you. Thank you all who shared stories with us. We appreciate it a lot, and hopefully we can do fun uh, episodes like this again in the future on different topics if we see patterns with a lot of the stories being sent in. So, sleep paralysis is scary. Jen, Christina, have you ever experienced sleep paralysis? Yes, I think so, but not in a negative way, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like, I, there have been a couple of times where I'm trying to wake up, but I can't. Mm -hmm. And then I fall back to sleep. Mm. How about you, Christina? You know, I had an incident like we talked about um, a couple of months ago where, you know, how you said sometimes you'll hear your name said when you're like half asleep. Mm -hmm. um, and we were staying at a uh, cabin in one of the parks in Kentucky and I was like half asleep and, I, uh, you know, it was a strange place. And it was like I heard and Troy was asleep. He was actually snoring. And I heard somebody say really loud in my ear christina and it was a man's voice Ooh. and it was oh, weird man. yeah it, and that's kind of similar to my experience which was i remember waking up and this was in our previous house here in cincinnati and i woke up random time of night like four maybe five in the morning slightly earlier than i normally would and i look to the side and there's a small child maybe like six years old staring at me like a black-eyed child oh no <laughs> and i just remember looking at it and going yeah you're not real and rolling over and <laughs> going back to sleep so not dealing with you <laughs> i'm not dealing with you it, it, it's it says something oh. to the amount of times you've seen this sort of thing that that's your reaction yeah <laughs> yeah you're right <laughs> So, not real. Um, so for those of you who are unfamiliar with uh, sleep paralysis, basically you wake up in your familiar place, such as your bedroom, but uh, you are greeted by strange creatures either sitting on top of your chest, standing at the end of your bed, in the corner across the room, basically invading your space, immobilizing and immobilizing you. Some see demons. Some see aliens. We've talked about that in a previous episode. I think our UFO episode. While others witness smoky shadows. Uh, in truly terrifying encounters, people who wake up to see goblins or hags sitting on top of their chests or standing at the foot of their beds. which Or groups. Like there was one person described once to on a, my previous radio show waking up and seeing red-eyed demons <gasps> staring down at her from around her bed she was like in a twin bed and on each side and at the foot there's like these red glowing eyed demons staring at her no. so very <laughs> scary and nope you know me i would have just said not today and flipped over and come back to sleep <laughs> i think we've just come up with a t-shirt design Did, i think i would just freeze and just stare at it like what what yeah i don't understand <laughs> yeah it, you're just sitting there trying to compute and taking in the scenery yeah at least in my mind i'm just like aha so this is where right. i am this is my familiar happy place and you are clearly weird little shadow entity with red glowing eyes invading my little happy place so we actually have two listener stories that were sent in take it away i think christina you're doing number one 
Uh, Jen is. Jen, you're doing number one. Take yeah, it away, Jen. Two. Okay. This is from someone. Um, story goes like this. She was sleeping on her stomach when she felt a presence in the room while barely waking up. She felt tingling in her feet that coursed up her body and rendered her completely paralyzed and terrified. She felt choked and hard to breathe. She suddenly broke loose, jumping from the bed with the force of, of her struggle, screaming, in the, name of, in, the, yeah, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I demand you leave me and get out of my house. The presence went away, but she remained frightened at what happened. She told some locals what has happened, and they said, oh, you were ridden by the hat. They said a spirit will need energy to continue their pursuit of unfinished business on earth so they find easy targets to suck energy from children and the stressed and sensitive people. Whoa. Yeah. Ew. That That's interesting because she was terrifying. sleeping in her stomach and still had this experience. Yeah, well, that is weird. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's um an amazing experience it's a well-documented one as we'll go into a little bit later but i and i love how at least in the southern united states it's called being ridden by the hag like you're the broom yeah <laughs> so yeah um, that is, that's pretty wild it's an interesting turn of phrase i i really wish i knew the origins of that so christina listeners dream listener number two yes listeners dream I was lying in bed and I heard someone in the living room. I tried to sit up, but I couldn't move. I tried to yell, but I couldn't make a noise. Then I realized that a man was standing next to my bed. Then I really panicked and tried to yell for help or move my arms, but I couldn't. At that point, I was looking at the scene from outside my body as if it was a movie. I became aware that someone was watching me through the vent in the ceiling above my bed. So I looked through the vent and saw a bunch of people sitting on a couch. There was a complicated mirror arrangement in the vent. I think I moved on to another dream sequence after that, but the man wasn't in my room anymore. Mm -mm. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Just like being able to watch the entire encounter. It's almost a, like an abduction story. It's kind of got an abduction feel or about it. Astral or astral projection. projection. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, astral projection, definitely. Mm -hmm. and um but it, it it mixes both astral projection and the old hag syndrome yeah it's well like, if you like if you see a person that doesn't look demonic or anything standing next to your bed and you're half awake how do you know if it's real or not i guess you just you don't i mean because it could be someone that broke into your house and that's trying to hurt you who knows well, my <laughs> My first impulse is to say, like, smack them in the crotch and see what happens. <laughs> like, I know if you're frozen in fear, though, that's really terrible advice. Because, yeah. but um, <laughs> you're not going to have a black eyed child standing at the well, end no. side of your bed most of the time. Yeah, it, it's. I mean, it's your fight or flight. Some, yeah, that, some people, when they're scared, they hit. And others freeze. Yeah. yeah. And to keep from freezing, like anybody who's an emergency um, technician, like EMT, firefighter, police, uh, doctors, they train themselves, I think, to not flight away. Yeah. Um, 
And I think that's also with the conditioning that's happened with me with ghost hunting is you have to not run away. You have mm-hmm. to go, what is that? Yeah. So it is a little conditioning that you have to do. And yeah, that's I just experience. I would run. Yeah. I would try to. Yeah. Yeah, there's so no too. harm. That's that's natural. Although like, I can't run very well. I'm so out of shape. So I'd die anyway. <laughs> well, it's a hang though. So it's going to be sitting on you. Running's not really needed. Well, no. I was thinking of the man standing next to the bed. Mm-hmm, but true. no, <clears throat> if you can't breathe, you really can't move. Yeah. 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 It, it's... I don't know. If you had... I'm just thinking from a true crime perspective now. I'm like, if there's a man standing at the end of your bed, you may not have enough time to react. No, and it depends on how heavy of a sleeper you are. Mm-hmm. And what they are doing. Right. Like, what are they doing at the side of your bed? So you may have a few minutes. Yeah. Or not. Yeah. Anyway. Also, <laughs> just act like you're crazy. Scare them. Hmm. And they'll yeah. be like, oh, I didn't expect this reaction. I'm going to run now. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's hard because like when you're, when you, I mean, the situation of sleep paralysis, which you're going to be talking about the folklore is you can't move. Right. And you that's what the scary thing. You can't move or talk. I, I mean, Troy, uh, when he was growing up, had a lot of sleep paralysis. Oh. I just remembered the one time, one of the times I felt like I was in between and I couldn't move. Mm-hmm. was when I was in college and over the summer and I had a roommate and she was leaving. She was from Hong Kong and she was leaving in the morning, like in the middle of the night. And for some reason, I feel like she was hugging me goodbye in my sleep. Hmm. And I was trying to wake up, but I couldn't. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if that actually happened or not. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. So- but there was no fear. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's this, this, case usually has fear with it so because you're panicking and your brain is just swimming with hormones and endorphins and all that and it's just things are getting mixed up we'll we'll cover that in the science portion in a little bit Mm -hmm. so the folklore on to the folklore so sleep paralysis is part of a human part of the human condition since humans have existed sleep researchers from the national institute of health have estimated that close to 30 percent of the population will experience sleep paralysis at some point of, in their lives, which means we have a whole lot of stories from across the globe and throughout the ages of sleep demons, specifically incubi, sleep ghosts, sleep curses, and shadow people, and even alien abduction experiences. It is thought that sleep paralysis was the originator of the term nightmare. In Old English, the name for beings who sat on your chest was mare or mirror, from proto-dramatic Meron. Wow. Say that ten times fast. Ah, or the Old Norse Mera. Hence the Mare part in Nightmare. So I broke it down a lot of experiences from cross cultures into demons, hags, and the other thing. Because not everyone really attributes it to demonic or haggish type creatures harming you or freezing you in bed so we're going to start with demons because why not go right there immediately so in scandinavian folklore sleep paralysis is caused by mare as we just talked about a supernatural creature related to incubi and succubi 
The mare is a damned woman who cursed, who is cursed, and her body is carried mysteriously during sleep and without her noticing. In this state, she visits villagers to sit on their rib cages while they are asleep, causing them to experience nightmares. Mm. In Fiji, the experience is interpreted as kana terero, being eaten by a demon. In many cases, the demon can be a spirit of a re recently dead relative who come back from un for unfinished business or has come to communicate some important news to the living. Often, people sleeping near the afflicted person say kania kania or eat eat in attempt to prolong the possession for a chance to converse with a dead relative or spirit and seek answers as to why she has he or she has come back the person waking from the experience is often asked to immediately curse or chase the spirit of the dead relative which sometimes involves literally speaking to the spirit and telling him or her to go away using expletives in nigeria it's just known as the devil on your back in turkey the karabasan is a similar to other stories of demonic visitation and sleep a supernatural being commonly known as a jinn, which we've talked about before, come to victims' rooms, holds him or her down hard enough not to allow any kind of movement, and starts to strangle the person. To get rid of the demonic creature, one needs to pray to Allah and uh, read the Quran. Moreover, in some uh, versions of the story, the jinn has a wide hat, and if the person can show the courage and take his hat, or their hat, the jinn becomes his slave. Kind of like a golem in a way, or a zombie. Anyway, uh, let's see. Uh, in Kashmiri mythology, this is caused by an invisible creature called the. And I forgive for all of these words because I'm trying my best. I'm just not too familiar. Um, Piskdar or Sanya. Let's see. Some people believe that the Piskvdar lives in every house and attacks somebody if the house has not been cleaned or if God is not being worshipped in the house. One also experiences this if one has been doing something evil, satanic, or derives pleasure from the misfortune of others. So that's an interesting version. It's more of a revenge spirit and less of a one that's trying to eat your soul or panicking you. Um, let's see. And also for all of our listeners, if we don't mention something and you would love to contribute a story, uh, please email us at hometownhaunts at gmail.com. In Arab culture, sleep paralysis is often referred to as jathrum, uh, literally what sits heavily on something. In folklore across Arab countries, the jathrum is believed to be, um, and a freet sitting on top of the person also choking them. So choking comes into it again. It is said that it can be prevented by sleeping on your right side and reading uh, the throne verse of the Quran, which is interesting here that it's mentioning that if you change your sleep position to being on your side, which is what neuroscientists and sleep experts have suggested you do, you won't get sleep paralysis as often because it has been proven through a lot of study. And there's a lot of studies uh, that sleeping serpentine or on your back leads to more instances of sleep paralysis, 
which is why I mentioned earlier, it was strange that our listener had it when she was sleeping on her stomach, because that's also one of the positions where it's less likely to happen, but definitely sleeping on your side. It doesn't seem to happen as often. Uh, Let's see. In Iceland folklore uh, culture, sleep paralysis is generally called having a mara, a goblin or a succubus, uh, since it's generally female, believed to cause nightmares. The origin of the word nightmare itself, as I mentioned earlier, is derived from mara or mare. Uh, Let's see. For hags, we got a variety from all over the world. And it does seem it's an interesting pattern that almost all of the attackers, the old hags, are female, even when they're demonic. So, folk belief in Newfoundland, Canada, and South Carolina and Georgia in the United States describe the negative figure of a hag who leaves her physical body at night and sits on the chests of her victims. The nightmare experience is described as being hag-ridden in, in the Gullah lore of, the Carol- of South Carolina. The old hag was a nightmare spirit in British and also Anglophone North American folklore. In the southern United States, it's sometimes referred to as witch riding, which I've heard before. In Philippine culture, the Bangogot has traditionally been attributed to nightmares. Uh, the Oh, man. I am so sorry for anyone who listens to Philippine from the Philippines. I am going to butcher these two. The Batibat and Bangogot have been believed to take on forms of grotesque, obese women who sat on her victim's chest. People who claim to survive such nightmares report symptoms of sleep paralysis. So that's an interesting take. It is a very large woman sitting on your chest. In Zimbabwe, in the Shona culture, the word matsikira uh, is used to refer to someone, refer to something strongly pressing one down. It mostly refers to the spirit world in which some spirit, especially an evil one, tries to use its victim for several evil purposes. The people believe that witches can only be people of close relation to to the people affected, and hence a witches often try to use one spirit to bewitch the relatives. <sighs> so in Moroccan culture, sleep paralysis is also known as borat, which no, not borat, boratat which means a demon that presses and covers the sleeper's body so they cannot move or speak. In Sardinia, one of Italy's islands, there is an old belief that it defies the cause of sleep paralysis in a demonic being called Amitadori. The ghoulish creature sits on the chest of a sleeping victim, suffocating him and sometimes ripping their skin with their nails. It's also believed in some parts of the island that the demon wears seven red caps on his head. If the victim resists the pain and succeeds to steal one of the caps, he will soon find a hidden treasure as a reward. I I like that. That's a fun twist. It's a treasure hunt after being assaulted. Wow. That's different. All right. During the Salem witch trials, several people reported nighttime attacks by various alleged witches, including Bridget Bishop. This may have been caused by the sleep paralysis. And in Brazil, there is legend about a mythological being called a Pistera Pisadera, 
She whose steps she's described as a tall, skinny old woman with long, dirty nails and in, in dried toes, with tangled hair and a long nose, st- staring red eyes and greenish teeth and an evil laugh. She lives over on the roofs, rooftops, waiting to step on the chest of those who sleep with a full stomach. Moving on to the ghost portion. Uh, In Thailand, it is believed that sleep paralysis and discomfort is caused by a ghost of Thai folklore known as uh, Thayan. Some people claim that this spirit may even cause bruises. Stories about this spirit are common in Thai comics, which I really love. I I follow a bunch of different Thai cartoonists, actually. But I do love in, like, the later parts of the summer, August and September, you'll start getting all these wonderful ghost stories out of East Asia. And that's one of them that pops up a lot. In Chinese culture, sleep paralysis is known as guiyangsheng or guiyangsheng, which literally translates into ghost pressing on body or ghost pressing on bed. There is a modern term, which is mengyang. In Korean culture, sleep paralysis is called guainulim, uh, literally being pressed down by something scary in a dream. And it's often associated with a belief that a ghost or spirit is lying on top and pressing down on the sufferer. What's interesting is Mexico has the exact same situation where you have a ghost or an evil spirit laying on top of you and pressing you down. Let's see. In Greece and Cyprus, it is believed that sleep paralysis occurs when a ghost-like creature or demon named Mora or Phronos or Venpanas tries to steal the victim's speech or sits on the victim's chest, during, causing asphyxiation. Um, this is not the only culture that believes this. Where is the other one? Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. For the amendment in Mexico, the... Uh, term is sabrese emerto, which is dead person on you. Um, so, in Latvian folk culture, sleep paralysis is called a torture or strangling by levitovrens. It is thought to be a soul of a killed, strangled, drowned, or hanged person and attacks both people and domestic animals. When under attack, one must move the toe of the left foot to get rid of the attacker. And some other interesting versions of basically sleep paralysis. In Eastern Chinese folklore, it is thought that a mouse can steal human breath at night. Human breath strengthens the mouse, allowing it longevity and the ability to briefly become human at night in a similar fashion to fox spirits. The mouse sits next to the person's face or under their nostrils. In Japanese culture, sleep paralysis is referred to as kanashibari, literally bound or fastened in metal. Uh, kane, meaning metal, and shibaru, the to bind, to tie, or fasten as a verb. Um, let's see. In Mongolian culture, nightmares in general, as well as sleep paralysis, is referred to by the verb phrase kar dakar, meaning to be pressed by the black or when the darkness presses. Ka- and uh, I could go into the entomology of all of that. But basically, it's interesting that it's not necessarily a form. It's just the darkness is pressing you. In Tibetan culture, sleep paralysis is also known as dipnong or dipfok. I did not say curse word right now. Um, It's written P-H-O-K, which literally roughly translates to oppressed or struck by or uh, a shadow or a spiritual pollution, if you can get that. 
um, concept. In Hmong culture, sleep paralysis is understood to be caused by nocturnal pressing spirits. Um, Dab Tsong attacks they attack sleepers by sitting in on their chests, not in their chests, on their chests, sometimes attempting to strangle them. Um, and they this is explained by Dab Tsong is responsible for sudden unexpected nocturnal death syndrome. Oh, here it is. In Bengali culture, the phenomenon of sleep paralysis is referred as boba or speechless. In Swahili areas of South Africa, it is known as jinamanzi or strangled by jin, which refers to creatures sitting on one's chest, making it difficult for him or her to breathe. Um, it is attributed to result from, from a person sleeping on his back. Most people also recall being strangled by this creature. In Finnish folklore, sleep paralysis is called Unohavlus, or dream paralysis. In Catalonia, legend and popular culture, the Pazanta is an enormous dog, sometimes a cat, that goes into people's houses in the night and puts itself on their chests, making it difficult for them to breathe, causing them the most horrible nightmares. The Pazanta is black and hairy with steel paws, but with holes so it can't take anything. So those are some of the varieties of sleep paralysis from around the world. And if you've noticed, there are some patterns. Everyone's being held down. Speech is gone. And in a lot of times, people are being strangled. And I know there is another variant where the creature is strangling you, but it has no thumbs, so it can't actually kill you. So what did you two think of that so far? Absolutely terrifying. Mm. Yeah. I'm disappointed no one has memories of deer hitting deer with their car after seeing people of Earth. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong episode. But yeah, it, it's <laughs> like we said during the UFO episode, alien abductions have also been attributed to sleep paralysis because mm -hmm. people will interpret the shadows at the edge of your bed or in your room as aliens instead. <laughs> I mean, I, I think, it, I mean, obviously there is a deep phil, uh, physiological uh, component to this because it is so ubiquitous throughout culture. Yeah. 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 Mm. Excuse me. Yeah. And it's generally seen as negative because people are panicking while this is happening. And well, yeah. generally yeah. nothing positive comes from panicking. <laughs> So um, what I do love is in Catalonia, the large cat or dog, and I'm sitting there reading that. I'm like, those, those experiencers have pets. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and there was always the myth of infant death being caused by cats taking their breath away, which yeah. is sort of a, I suppose, similar thing. Uh, I, my favorite one was the one you mentioned from Italy, where um, if you had a big meal, it yes. would happen. Because I, I was thinking of all that pasta and carbs and acid yeah. reflux. Well, yeah. yeah, that one is um, Brazil. Oh, Brazil. I'm sorry. But you yeah. still got a lot of good carbs <laughs> so, coming from Brazilian. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, so I thought that was kind of interesting uh, because some people do have trouble eating or sleeping after a meal. And maybe that is something also that physiologically causes this. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, I mean, like I said, because it happens so often and it's a pressing on your chest. I mean, it could also be, and you'll probably cover this in the science. I know people that have had heart issues uh, and blockages will feel a weight on their chest and not realize it's a heart problem. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, there was someone uh, 
that told me that they, when they got their bypass surgery, they had had pain like in their shoulders for Mm -hmm. a year. And once the bypass happened, they didn't have the pain anymore. Um, And so one wonders if a lot of this stuff could also be heart problems or blockages. Sleep apnea. Sleep apnea. I was wondering about that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Where you stop breathing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I didn't think about the heart and cardiovascular side of it, but mm-hmm. you may be on to something there, Christina. Yeah. So on to the science. Sleep paralysis, because people have experienced it so often, is a well-studied phenomena. Uh, even as far back as 1664, Dutch doctors were recording accounts of their patients experiencing it. In one record, the doctor's patient described the encounter as a large dog or devil was sitting on her chest. So then again, it's there it is. It's the pet, a gigantic pet sitting on your pest, on your chest. Common symptoms are the inability to move, speak, or breathe properly, which we've covered. The hypnagogic hallucinations or visions that happen while you're falling asleep. And the hypnopompic hallucinations or the visions that happen as you're waking up. As my black-eyed child was clearly a hypnopompic hallucination. Auditory hallucinations or imaging or imagining sounds, which fits into yours, Christina. Olfactory hallucinations or imagining smells. A sense of heaviness or pressure on your chest and feeling of being watched or touched, sometimes in a threatening or sexual manner. And fear, just fear. That, that's a symptom, which when all that's happening, I completely understand. Things that can trigger episodes, falling asleep while intoxicated, having jobs that require irregular sleep patterns such as shift work, uh, students and student athletes, especially during times of stress, have anxiety disorders, have experienced trauma, including those with post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD or CPTSD, sleep sleep on their backs or have sleep apnea have been diagnosed with bipolar disorder, have a family history of sleep paralysis, are experiencing jet lag, and experience sleeping disorders such as narcolepsy. Also, it is noted that individuals who are survivors of sexual abuse and abuse as children do report experiencing sleep problems, sleep paralysis being one of them. Because basically, in those cases, people have chronic trauma from people assaulting them essentially and not feeling safe so the constant staring and all that could be triggering it um also in a few different studies stress can also cause this as well so uh what to do if you experience sleep paralysis and this is from dr baland jala who is a sleep researcher and neuroscience neurophys not neurophysicist uh He's a sleep researcher. When you sleep, so he has four steps. When the sleep episode begins, reframe it. With your eyes closed, remind yourself that sleep paralysis is harmless and temporary. To distance, the second step, to distance yourself from fear, repeat to yourself that the anxiety is unnecessary and may make the episode last longer. So if you start panicking and get anxious, this episode may last twice as long as it's supposed to. Step three, focus your attention to or attention on the image of something positive, ignoring any hallucinations. Yes, I really do love Buckeye Blitz ice cream. It does make me very happy. 
And I will just remind myself of that when gigantic shadow beasts are staring down at me from the end of the bed. And fourth, cont- uh, consciously relax your muscles. Now, one of the reports from earlier in the folklore part was twitching your left toe or a toe on your left foot. And that's a good way to start relaxing your muscles and bringing feeling back is just trying to make one of your digits function. And that will slowly wake you up. Uh, What sleep scientists do believe happens is that the paralysis occurs because when you're sleeping and going through the REM stages, it's basically flooding your brain. One, you get spinal fluid in your brain. It, it cleans it out and all the debris and everything, and it goes down into your liver. Um, also, it is putting in different hormones to basically keep you from sleepwalking. So um, I'm wondering if people who sleepwalk also have had sleep paralysis is- issues. But basically... When that sleep-wake window isn't completely synchronized is when you have hypnagogic and hypnopompic stages of your sleep. And that's when you're hallucinating. Literally, your dreams are enacting themselves in front of you. And that is one of the theories as to what people are experiencing. So, Christina and Jen, what are your thoughts? It's interesting because the people that took Ambien... I think you remember, like, if you're on Ambien for a long time, you heard all those stories of people would prepare meals and eat them in the middle of the night or drive places and not remember it at all. Mm -hmm. Um, Or uh, more curiously, I have a friend that said she talked for hours to a guy on the phone that she was hoping to date. And they set up a date and he never showed up. And it's because he was on Ambien and didn't remember talking to her for hours on the phone. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. (laughs) So, uh, but they found that the brain waves that ambient effects show just how mysterious, like you were talking about uh, sleepwalking, like whatever of the chemicals it affects in the brain, you're basically sleepwalking kind of. Yeah. It, it's like a minor version of sleepwalking. Like before that happens, you yeah. may have events like this and it's not for sure. I mean, this of course is still being studied. But um, it's interesting just how much, how active our brain is when we're even sleeping. It doesn't fall asleep just because our body falls asleep. It's actually still very active, keeping the rest of your involuntary breathing and heart pumping and all that going. But it's interesting just how much hormones can affect. And sometimes if they go wonky, really mess with your sleep cycle. Yeah. Yeah, well, definitely. everything can mess with your sleep cycle. Yeah, everything. I mean, it's a sensitive thing. It's very. <laughs> I have a cousin that used to sleepwalk when he was a teenager, and he actually sleptwalked out a window and broke <gasps> his back. And oh, he, no. He's still alive. Uh, you know, this is many years ago, but that just shows you, you know, See, how intense some of these experiences are. That's yeah. That's that's very scary. Very mm-hmm. scary. Yeah. Well, that I, could be something. Oh, go on. No, I, I have heard people of eating in their sleep and not remember doing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, sometimes I wonder if there's some endocrinological uh, issues with that, too. Like maybe younger people, because it seems like when he did that, he was probably a teenager. And that's when you're going through puberty. So wonder mm-hmm. one wonders if some of the, the endocrinological things of, of that make you 
sleepwalk and because it disrupts and and it also makes me think i wonder if those types of incidences are more or less because there are so many disruptors in our environment like most plastics uh, are uh, disrupt your hormones and you know all the different stuff that you many products that you use so i wonder if this has been increased or decreased yeah that's I mean, a good I don't question know, but it yeah. but it's curious yeah like the amount of microplastics mm-hmm and how that affects the body, um, lead and makeup, how does that affect the body? Just lots of questions of how lifestyle is affecting your sleep cycles. So, but that is a, I'm going to say brief history of sleep paralysis, probable causes and solutions. So if yeah, tell you, us our stories. <laughs> yeah. Tell us yeah. your stories. So if you have a story about sleep paralysis that you've experienced or you have family tradition of what a sleep paralysis is caused by, please send it to us at home. Was it hometown haunted mail at gmail.com. Can't remember my own web address at the beginning, but I can put it by now. There it is scrolling underneath me. Uh, You can also join our Facebook group, which is hometown haunts and share your story there on our Facebook page for other people to also read. And we may share it on our show as well. Yeah. Yeah, we might be able to join together and all buy the Saddamsville Rectory. Oh, yes. Yes, the Saddamsville Rectory. We were talking about that in the group recently. It's up for sale right now. It is. If you listen to what episode was it where you talked about your experience there? It um, was from year one, so it's a long time ago. Yeah. Um, We've talked about it a couple times, though. Yeah, but it's up for sale. We would love to make it our headquarters and maybe an art gallery. And that would be fun. Hey, it's if my condo building. thing falls through, I might be able to buy it. <laughs> oh, oh. you know, one thing uh, talking about talking about tonight's topic. Um, when do you all think you have the most intense dreams? Because talking about disrupted sleep, like sometimes if I sometimes I'll get up super early and work when I have dead, like you have a huge deadline right now, Kat. And sometimes mm-hmm. when I'm like jamming and trying to get as much work done as possible, I'll get up at like three in the morning and work till six. And then if I go to back to bed for a couple hours, I have the most intense dreams for that hour or so that I sleep. Mm. Stress does it for me a lot of times. And Mm. anymore with my antidepressants, sometimes I randomly get weird, vivid dreams. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I used to have really vivid dreams. And then after having kiddo, nope. Just dreams yeah. don't happen. They, I don't remember them. I know they're yeah. happening. Though, speaking about the stress from a deadline, um, I actually had a dream last week that I remembered uh, that I was drawing comics in my dream, trying to make it for the deadline. So, <laughs> and I told... That's 100% stress related. <laughs> yeah, that was. I woke up and I'm just like, wow, I can't escape it even in my dreams. Like, my astral projection is trying to finish feverishly all these pages. And I'm in the home stretch. I just have to add the word balloons in, on 12 pages and then send the book to the printers. Be like, well, you know, you're working stuff out a lot of times when you're asleep, too. Mm-hmm. That's where the term sleep on it came from. Mm-hmm. You know, I find when I'm having trouble with an illustration or something, like when I sleep on it, if I go to sleep rather than trying to work through it, your brain will kind of work it out at night. 
Um, mm -hmm. And there's a lot of documented cases of your brain continues thinking about it. Like when they actually measure brain waves and stuff, like if you're wondering how you want to paint something or how you want to draw something and it's just not working, your brain still works on it while you're sleeping. Yeah. 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 Or writing. It helps with writing too. Mm -hmm. um, but anything creative, really. Yeah. Any I find it. Quandary. I have a lot of deja vu when I paint. And I huh. think the reason why I have a lot of deja vu when I paint is because it, it's not deja vu. What it really is, I'm doing the same thing over and over again. It's not really deja vu. It's just it's like I'm always doing the same thing. I feel like I've drawn this black cat before. It's like, well, yes, you have. <laughs> the 24 previous pages. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, it's not really deja vu. You really are doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that's something that artists particularly price it. I, mean, I think any artist, but sequential artists, I think in particular when you're doing comics or picture books, you know, you start, you know, recognizing patterns. I wonder what if animators, like especially old 2D animators, would dream about their characters and their work. Because talk about drawing something over and over and over again. I bet you they did. Yeah. That yeah. would be a grueling job, actually, I mm. would think. Mm. Yeah. You had all the people that painted those cells back in the day, hundreds and hundreds of usually women I painted hope. the cells uh, for the Disney animations yeah. um, mm -hmm. in the before times when they didn't let women in the animation room. Oh, geez. I know. Well, don't, don't get me started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we don't no, want to get started on another topic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was just going to say one more thing about, like, if you're watching something or listening too much to true crime or whatever, does that affect your dreams? No. Okay. It does it does mine. If it's stress related, like working, yeah. clearly it does. Um, but also in a fun way, a lot of my stories are inspired from dreams that I happen to remember. Yeah. That's so, cool. Yeah, like Witches and Sorcerers was a weird movie dream that I had where I just watched it all happen uh -huh. in front of me. I didn't participate, I just watched it. Yeah. And I remember being in the dream going, This would make a great comic. See, that's your muse talking to you while you're sleeping. Yeah, I'm one of them. Very yeah. chatty. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine a little puppet show that was happening? Like an Inside Out. Anyway. I mean, yeah. that's actually an yeah. episode we could talk about because uh, uh, Elizabeth Gilbert wrote, wrote some really interesting stuff about muses hmm. and where you get ideas and that sort of thing. And, and you know, I, it, it is weird, you, you know, when you're coming up with a creative idea or a story or something like that. It does just suddenly come to you. Mm -hmm. uh, many authors talk about when they write the stories that the outcome for certain characters isn't what they expected. Mm -hmm. You know, it almost is a type of channeling. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I've and never had that feeling when I've have written something. Oh. Which is weird because I know a lot of people have have said that their stories or their characters have their own life, and mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe I just haven't written enough. I find characters start to, like, if you do something, even with something as simple as my Crohn's cartoon, like, the characters mm -hmm. start writing themselves. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You really know you're in it when the characters start writing themselves. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, that's a good, we will do a Muse episode and we can yeah. talk about our creative processes then. That would be really cool. Yeah. But, on that note, I guess, you know, we should... Yeah, so everyone, thank you for joining us for another wonderful episode of the Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities Presents, the Hometown Haunts Podcast. I am your host, Kat Loco. Along with me, 
for the ride is Christina Wald and Jen Kohler. You can follow us on social media at Sin Cabinet Curio on Twitter at Sin C Cabinet of Curiosities, Curiosities on Instagram. And you can also join our Facebook group, Hometown Haunts. Also, we're dying to hear from you. So if you have your own ghostly encounter, cryptid story, or fun lore from your neck of the woods, you can send that to hometownhauntedmail at gmail.com. For myself and everyone else on our team, good night and stay weird. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.